You want me to do the motion for acceptance? Or? Oh, you go? Okay. Go ahead. Thank you, Irene. Are there any additions or corrections to these minutes? I have a question. Okay, we have a question. Was that not in the minutes? Okay, we'll make that correction, Marcy. Thank you. Are there any other addition or, or additions or corrections to the minutes? Can I get a motion to approve the minutes? I'd like to make a motion that we approve the minutes as corrected. Thank you. Second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay, and now we'll hear from Mr. Paul Kurtz, the money man. Oops. Okay, there we go. It works. Okay, um, last year we only had 1200 something dollars. We went up to 1760 We went down a little bit. We got a little dues. Between the last phone con meeting we had, in which we had $1,729.20, um, we spent $50 to do a sponsorship for the FCB convention. So therefore, we have gone down to $1,679.20. Now, I have a lot of Bahamas money in my pocket that I've just gotten from um, the wonderful magnet sale to the tune of $150. Uh, we'll have dues coming in, and we'll have the 50-50 raffle money coming in. So by the time we have another phone conference, uh, our treasury will have gone up. And it, for those of you who have been on our phone conference, you remember that we've discussed scholarships and some things that we want to do with some of this money. So it's definitely good to see it come in. So that's the end of the treasurer's report. Again, right this very second, uh, sixteen seventy nine twenty. Move acceptance of the treasurer's report as presented. Who was that second? All right. All in favor? Aye. Is there anybody opposed? Okay, good. All right. Next, we're going to move on to our speaker. Um, her name is Miss Lynette Taylor. She is from the Temple Sisterhood Group located here in Jacksonville. She's going to talk to us about her group, about the wonderful service they provide, and about how some of us who may take advantage of that service should we decide to. Lynette, let's give Lynette a big hand. First I'd, like, first, I'd like to thank Patricia for inviting me to speak to your group, and I want to say that having worked in Braille since 1989, I have had the privilege of meeting some absolutely wonderful people, among whom are Linda Jacobson and Doug Hall, who are here today. And I've also had the privilege of meeting some very important people in the Braille world, like Dr. <clears throat> Dr. Nimeth, who wrote the Braille Math Code 
and Dr. Robert Stepp, who wrote the Braille program that I used to do transcription. So I'm getting a lot out of this. Uh, Patricia asked me to speak a little bit about the group that I work with, and it's Temple Sisterhood Braille Group here in Jacksonville. We've been in existence for over 50 years, and with, the group was started by a Mrs. Snyder who wanted to have Braille materials uh, produced for her son, Harold, who was blind. Now, back then, that would be in 1960-something, there weren't very many accommodations for disabled students. And so she started a group at the uh, Congregation of Hesed, which is a Jewish synagogue here in town, and talked one of the members who was blind into becoming a certified proofreader. Bernita used to tell stories about how hard that was, and I'm sure it's true. But at that point, most of the members were members of the congregation, and it was strictly voluntary, and it is still strictly voluntary. But our members now come from all over the county um, and even some of the other surrounding counties. So we're still in existence. The temple is still supporting us. And now we've gotten very high tech, doing our Braille on computers with embossers and scanners and all kinds of helpful things that make it handy and easier and faster to do. Patricia also wanted me to tell you how we got assignments. That's easy. You call Linda and you say, I need Lynette's email address. And then you email me and tell me what you need done. We do textbooks primarily, but we also do menus. We do handouts that come with your equipment, like we did one not too long ago. For What's that thing called, Linda? Amazon Echo, yes. Um, we do hymnals, we do sermons, we do all kinds of stuff. At the moment, we are working for a teenage student in Pennsylvania who is homeschooled, for a professional college student in Virginia who is going to have, by the time she's finished, I think 10 masters. <sighs> Some of the stuff is so boring. <laughs> You would not believe how boring some of this legal stuff I've been doing lately is. But that's beside the point. You know, she wants it, she gets it. We're doing stuff for a, a blind student at one of the local Catholic high schools. So that we take uh, assignments or requests, whatever you want to call it, from anybody who needs something done. There is no charge for anybody except we will charge a restaurant, for instance, if we do a menu, just to cover the cost of the paper and whatnot. And that, that's the only charge. Everything else is totally free. So it's, it's been a, a wonderful process. And I would like to say that I have learned a lot doing textbooks over the years, but it wouldn't be true. It sort of, it sort of goes in and comes out my fingertips and doesn't stop in my brain. I don't know how that works, but it, it does. That's, that's the process. I read it, I braille it, it's gone. I should be very intelligent by now and very well-rounded. I wish. <laughs> um, I, was, I had something else in mind. I want, oh, the class. 
the only way that Temple Sisterhood Braille Group has been able to stay in existence for almost 60 years is because we have classes every year and we teach students the Braille language. And it's a language, I think. Um, and we teach them all of the things they need to do to know to produce Braille materials. This has been a particularly difficult year because of the new code, the UEB code. The teachers and Linda, and Linda's one of our teachers, had to work extremely hard because they got no help from the rest of us. It's, it's, I'm still stuck in English Braille, and the students are doing UEB, and somehow the twain have got to intertwine somewhere, but I just don't know how yet. So we have a whole new batch of students that are very fluent in UEB, and a whole batch of old people who are very fluent in English Braille. <laughs> Same is true with readers, exactly. And we'll, we will accept requests for either, because we know that people who have been reading for years and years and years don't want to switch. They're not interested in switching. The school systems want their textbooks for younger kids in UEB, so that's what we do. It's reader determined which code we use and how we produce the materials. We also do graphics, which are uh, three-dimensional drawings whenever there are maps or something else that needs to have an illustration done. <clears throat> we have a whole separate group of people who produce graphics, thank goodness, because I'm lousy at it. And <clears throat> I go through a book when I get it, and pick out the things that need to be done graphically, give them a list and copies of the pages, and lo and behold, by the time I get finished with the book, the graphics are ready. It is the neatest thing. It is absolutely wonderful. So people ask me quite often, well, how did you get involved in Braille? And I always tell them, I quit my job in a temper tantrum, which is true, and was kind of at loose ends, and a friend of mine said, well, why don't you come with me to my Braille class? So I did, and I got hooked, and it was a little hard getting my 45-year-old brain wrapped around it, but I love it. It's, it's something I will do for as long as I can do it. It is, it is so exciting, and I think keeps my brain working. I think it's good for me on top of the fact that I enjoy it so much. I do believe it's good for me. But what I really want you to know is regardless of how you get me the information, and I can, I can do it from Word files, I can do it from PowerPoint files, I can do it from PDF files, I can do it from actual print. If you get me the information you want transcribed into Braille, we can get it done for you and we'll be more than happy to do so. Questions? I would tell you my email address, but then you'd have to write it down. It's easier to get Linda. <laughs> Everybody has my address. <laughs> I figured they did, Linda. <laughs> I don't think I took up Patricia's 15 minutes, so that's why I was asking. Yes. Well, if you stand up, probably not.
No, I can import it into my into my Braille program. And what Braille program are you using? Braille 2000, Dr. Steps program. Okay. The other major one is Duxbury, which was produced by uh, Joe Sullivan. Do you all use Duxbury? No. The graphics are hand done, except for a few. Uh, you can use the Tiger program, which is a, a drawing program, to do some fairly straightforward things. But anything that you need to make distinctions between layers or heights or widths or colors, then you need to do collage, and that's what we do. Actually, our graphics people, once you break them of the fact that or the thought that everything has to be shown in the graphic and that it has to be pretty, neither of which are true, they get really good at it. It's, it's paring it down to the essential thing that you need to get the, the uh, thing across. Thank you, thank you. Oh, one thing I would like to say is nobody will ever tell us that we have done something wrong. If you get a Braille transcription from anybody in my group and you find a mistake or you think it be, could be done better, whether it's the Braille or the graphic, it would be so helpful if somebody would say something. Otherwise, how are we supposed to know? But you guys just won't tell us. Why? That, well, I, you know, that's great, but... Still, it would be helpful if you would critique once in a while. Doug, you started to say, hey. Certainly. VAVF is Visual Aid Volunteers of Florida, which is a statewide volunteer group. We have conferences once a year. In the last few years, they've been in Orlando. There are three, no, four, four major Braille transcription groups in Florida. There's one in uh, Orlando, there's one in St. Pete, the one here in Jacksonville, and there's one in Fort Walton Beach. There used to be more. Daytona is also a place to get accessible materials from the Talking Book Library. But if you live near St. Pete, for example, then you can get in touch with the Pinellas Braille Group. Or if you live out on the Panhandle someplace, it's uh, Northwest Visionaires. What was the other one? What else? Can I say something? Sure, Linda. I'd just like to tell everybody that um, if you want good Braille material, you get a much better version of it from the volunteers because they all are certified Braille transcribers. If you pay for the material, that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting materials from somebody that's certified in transcribing. Another way that you can find us all is to get in touch with the Florida Instructional Materials Center. They have the phone numbers and, and contacts for everybody in Florida that does Braille. And they're in Tampa. And that's where the um, taping, there's a taping group in Tampa also. 
So any, any of the ways that you can think of it, you can get in touch with us. But thank you, Linda, for saying that because it's, it's, it's true. It really is because we try to do a lot of making sure things are perfect for you guys. Otherwise, why do it? There's VAVF.org, and I'm not sure if the local groups are on there yet, but we talked about that at our conference, and they're going to be put on there. VAVF.org. I'm sorry, V is for Victor, A is for Apple, V is for Victor, F is for Fox or Frank or something. Florida. Florida, there you go, dot org. Fox, is that what it's supposed Fox to be? Foxtrot. Fox I should know that. My husband was in the Navy and he was a radioman. <laughs> I should have known that. So, anything else? Good. Let me know. I mean, like I said, get in touch with Linda or look at the website or get in touch with FIMC. Um, any, any of those ways. Hmm? Did you give them the website? VAVF.org, yes. Okay. Yes. So... That's, and we will be happy to get in touch back in touch with you and, and figure out how the best way to get your material that you want transcribed to us. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Annette. Great information. Thank you so much. Okay, so I think we're going to do a door prize now. Let's do a door prize. Testing. Hey. Is it on? Hello. Okay, we're going to give away a twenty-five dollar uh, gift a gift card for Olive Garden, and I will reach in here and grab a name. And Shalini, can you read the name? Who? Patricia. Patricia? Oh, no. Congratulations. Oh, no. Oh, thank you very much. I never win anything. This is, this is pretty cool. Thank you. Okay, let's do one more, and then we'll proceed to the second segment. Okay, one more. We will do a, is this a public gift card? $25 public gift card. No, not. Tom Hansen. All right. All right. Raise your hand so we can get that to you. All right. So now we will proceed to the second segment which I'm not going to say the name of it because I screwed up the name earlier, so I'm afraid to say it. Everybody knows what it's all about, right? What to say when you meet a sighted person. So at this 
point, we're going to give the microphone over to Paul and Paul. Who wants to start? It's the PP group. It's the PP group. <laughs> that gets more significant as you age. It does. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Are you a sighted person? Are you a sighted person? Hell no. <laughs> you don't want to be? I don't want to be. Well, I tell you what, I'm beginning to have doubts about being one of those either. Well, I think you ought to By be a sighted way, person. What do you do when you first meet one? Well, I admire the fact that, that they were able to learn to ring all, read all those squiggles on a piece of paper. I mean, I just have to deal with six dots. They have to, they have to learn to read all these funnel-shaped letters. You know, and, and you know, the other thing that's amazing, they have to spell out every word, whereas we have contractions. That's true. It is phony. It's so damn but, inconvenient. But you know, I thought, here's what I thought you were going to say. Oh. I thought the first thing you were going to say was to put your hand on your wallet and button your pocket. Well, and that, after that, I thought you were going to say, see if they had a million dollars they wanted to donate to a poor blind man. Well, but, but, but I don't have to say anything to them. I just have to be standing on a corner with a cup of coffee and they'll drop quarters in it. <laughs> <laughs> but they never put dollar bills in it. Have you noticed that? That's true. Cheapskates. That's right. They, Absolutely. Well, they figure coins will survive, but dollar bills will, will get coffee stamps. Well, that's true. It's very sad. So what do you do when you meet a sighted person, Paul? I just told you. I put my hand over my wallet, make sure it stays in my pocket, because a lot of them want money. Yeah, but... You know, it's like, it's like the telephone calls you get. But you shouldn't know? we make charitable donations to sighted people? Well, they need it. I mean, do you realize... Do you realize... But they actually don't think we do, have do money. You, do you realize how much they have to spend on electricity just to keep their house lit? <laughs> that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Guys, yeah. this, this is crazy. And we'll keep going with it as long as you guys will keep laughing. We will. But really and truly, and I will tell you, um, one of our members on I'm, our committee. I'm gonna you're going to cross what? No, I thank you. Go ahead. Cross your, cross your T's and cross your I's. And shall, I, shall I tell you something that's truly funny? Go ahead. My eye just fell out. <laughs> it's true. No I'm way. holding it up. Did you catch it? No. Good, good. No, but somebody got it for me. Was that. it a sighted person? It was a sighted person, see? So they are worth something. They that, are. That is good. See? What do you do when your eye falls out? <laughs> Ask a sighted person. I know this much. The eyes have it. Yeah. <laughs> or the un-eyes have it. That's true. In this room, the un-eyes have it. Uh, the trouble is, you know, usually when you're on a tile floor, you can hear where it went, but this is a nice soft concert. Oh, I'm glad I didn't step on it. I am, too. I am, too. So one of the things that I do when I meet a sighted person is say, thank you so much for giving me my eye back. And now I have my vision. So now we have eye backs and iPhones. We do. That's it. That's beautiful. What's an eye back? I don't know, it just sounded good, so it came out. <laughs> okay. Guys, we, the two of us, you know, we're, we're playing some fun and everything. Now, my daughter says I'm boring and my jokes stink, so blame all this on Paul Edwards. 
That's right. Because, you know, I was, I was pulled into this kicking and screaming. But really and truly, uh, what do you do? I yeah. just recently went into some leg therapy, and I had to do some, um, what, what can we politely call it, training. Of, I told them they could get some continuing edu education units for me, showing them about sighted guide, and showing them, yes, I could climb <laughs> on the exercise bike, yeah. and yes, I could walk to the front of the thing. The first day, for instance, a lady decided she, and I appreciate all these things, she decided she needed to walk out of the hospital with me. I've been in that hospital because of relatives and other people so many times. They treat me like I'm employed now, but this was a new group. You know, if I ask them, they, when I started going into St. Vincent's Hospital in Jacksonville, everybody went into a dead panic. Now if I ask for a room number, they say, okay, go down the second hall, take a left, and see, actually, these are the kind of barriers we want to break down and get to this point. Absolutely. We don't need people panicking over and shouting over us uh, walking down a hallway or anything like that. What, Unless but, but Paul they, drops but, his eye out, but they still, then I think I'd shout too. But they still do it. Well, yes, they do. Hey, look, man, I, I gave you directions right over there. Yeah, What's right. the matter with you? You blind? <laughs> that's, that's one of the typical responses. How should we react to that? Well, yeah, you can say yes, but how, how should you, I mean, should you be, should you be comfortable with someone suggesting two things by what they say. The first thing is that, that, that being blind is a heck of a handicap. Right. And the second thing is that, uh, is, is that anybody who can't find their way around must be blind. And anybody who is blind can't find their way around. That's the general consensus. What do you guys think? What should we do? How should we handle it? Come on, guys. I know we haven't put up. you guys to sleep out here in the audience. Somebody say something. Otherwise, you know, because we are sighted, we won't know that we won't know there's anybody out there. Out there, I could knock out. <laughs> well, that's right. Exactly. Over there means nothing. That's that's a good thing to say. You you know what my my other favorite my other favorite comment of sighted people, and it gets me every time. I don't know. I, I you'd think that I would do better 50 years from now, but I don't. Every time it happens, it scares me to death. Can you guess what it is, Paul? What is wow. it? Wow. Walking into the ladies' room, or doesn't that oh, scare no, you? Oh no, no. I, I I typically haven't. I mean, I haven't. I haven't done that for a long time. Well, and, and besides, it would be a pleasant thing to do. And, and well, now, though, by the way, and now have, with and transgender, have, we can go say, anywhere. Well, and I have two different birth certificates. Trans, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with transgender, we can now go anywhere. Yeah. That's right. But, How scary is that? No, I, go ahead. But the, the, the most scary thing for me is when you're walking along and you're minding your own business and suddenly, out of nowhere comes. What? The oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, we got a mic. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh God! Right. That's one too. Or for me, along the same lines, is when I'm crossing a street 
and it somebody blows a horn. I don't know. If they're, well, I don't know why they're blowing at me. Somebody going to run me over? Test one, two. There we go. Oh, we can. We can. We have a microphone now. This is scary. This could be dangerous. This could be dangerous. Yes, it could. So watch out. Watch out is is one of my favorite ones. And of course, there's lookout too. Um, and there's. Um, can, can anybody think of any other pet phrases? Yes, straight ahead. Straight ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I know it's happened to me a few times too, Carl. It, it caused me to get Parkinson's disease from not knowing which way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, can, you can definitely go crazy. Now, let me... Now, now, let me, yeah, let, me saying, ask go for guys, broke. let me ask you guys something. Can you assume... Because a person is well educated otherwise, that they have experience with blind people. No. No. Okay. Okay. Um, wonderful doctor I had. He operated on me when I was 11 years old. Okay. I go up. That explains high a lot. It sure does. Brain surgery. Uh, it does. It does. He took everything out he could find. Um, anyway, go through undergraduate school, come back home. Get a job, okay? Go to a doctor's appointment. Um, now, this was my eye doctor in this case. My medical doctor knew I had a job, but the eye doctor who should have known that blind people have jobs, he said, oh, you have a job? So I said, well, how do you think I afford to be here? Now, see... These are the kind of things that we run into. By the way, Paul says, you know, watch out and everything. What about the people that tell you there's a step in front of you, but they don't tell you whether it goes up or down? So you play multiple guests till you get there, you know, and those types of things, okay? Watch out because there's a step, yes. So you step up and the step goes down, so you have your... You look like one of the, what's the one-legged bird that stands in the water, or a crane or one of those? You got your one foot sticking up in the air like you're, you know, catching fish. That would be a scarlet ibis, sir. A scarlet ibis. Wonderful, wonderful. 
That's go ahead. <laughs> okay, for those of for those of you all getting this through the streaming, it, what he said was he said that somebody in an ophthalmologist's office came and said, "Would you quit reading Braille in this office because it makes people nervous?" It wasn't you; it was somebody else you heard about. Yes, yes. Now, yeah, that's what he wants us to believe. Oh, good. Yeah, that's that's perfect. You know, um, honestly, a lot of medical doctors, a lot of eye doctors, see, they feel like they failed if you lose vision, if you really think about it. And I've talked to some of them about this because, see, they do want you to see. But when you don't see, then they say, well, I don't know what to do from here. Now, the very good ones they get some exposure to rehabilitation and they have more knowledge. But again, you can't assume knowledge, which is why you have to go in and be a good self-advocate. Yeah, I, I, I think we should start wearing T-shirts that say things like, I, I, uh, uh, I, I don't lose vision, I just can't see. Yeah, and, and you know, our, our president sitting right here to my right the reason I asked that question earlier about education and can you assume education um, always implies knowledge of blindness, and the answer is no, because she's had experiences going into doctor's offices where they don't want to do the forms for or they do them, they want to do them right out in front of everybody. Oh, that's the amazing part. Now, how many of you all want to talk about your hemorrhoids to... 25 people sitting around you. I don't think so. Sir, when did you last have venereal disease? Yeah, yeah, I mean. And then they talk about the HIPAA law, which is what? Totally paradoxical, right? Sharing information, and then they expect you to share it with the whole office. Wow. Exactly. The HIPAA law only partially applies, yes. First thing you do is you say to your doctor, I know where I can get this put into Braille for myself. That's, that's right. I will. I think that's that's excellent. And it would be nice if there was actually more Braille around than there is, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, you know, doctors' offices don't know what Braille is. Not even not even ophthalmologists um, when you, when you go and see them. But of course, you'd think that if you're totally blind and have artificial eyes like I do, you don't have to see an ophthalmologist. Not true. You've got to see an ophthalmologist if you want new artificial eyes. So what do we do when we go into a doctor's office? Because I've had this problem multiple times, and I did some research on it, um, according to the ADA. And um, we do have the right for them to um, assist us, okay? It's called an accommodation. Um, They have to provide the paperwork to us in an accessible format, or they have to have someone assist us. They cannot say they don't have anybody. They cannot say, where is your caregiver? 
or anything like that, which they have done to me. Oh, where's your caregiver? You're supposed to bring a caregiver. No, I don't have one of those. But don't you have anybody in this whole office that can just take a few minutes and help me fill out this paperwork? How about somebody in billing? How about one of your technicians that may not be doing anything? You know, folks, we have to be assertive with this. And, and it, we do have a right to, to ask this of them. So if they haven't provided you that paperwork in, say, electronic format, where you can read it and fill it out, they can't send it to you in print because you can't independently fill that out. I mean, you may choose to do that if you have a sighted spouse or somebody around. I, I don't. I don't have anybody to help me fill out any paperwork. So I just wanted to mention that, that, you know, they do have to accommodate you. Is that right, Mr. Edwards? It is, but how many of us... Is a doctor in an individual practice required um, to, to fill out paperwork? To accommodate you. Under the ADA, I would assume so. If well, they provide if, that if you think people. about it, Carl, um, they're required to provide interpreters. Right. It's so is there any difference? That's right. They are. Okay, comment for the comment for the internet is that um, they pay interpreters, and how many of us as blind people have ever had anybody paid to help us in any kind of doctor's office? Well, except like by that? us. Oh, yeah, they're paid by us. Yes, <laughs> they, that that is the, uh, but not by anybody else. And it's an that's an interesting comment because. The question really is why. Why is it okay for a deaf person to get an interpreter but not for a blind person to get a, uh, a, a, um, a, a writer? Now, um, one thing I want to address, I dealt with this with my own physician who's a is an envelope. single practice, single practice uh, private practice doctor. I like him. He's a good guy. But I had to tell he and his staff both, no, I'm not answering all this stuff out here and have somebody fill it out. And I might need somebody to fill it out. And um, we can do it the right way, guys. We can, we can be assertive without being nasty. We can stand our ground. You've heard about the Florida Stand Your Ground Law. Well, there's more than one ground you've got to stand on, okay? And uh, another very good question to ask, I honestly think is, would you want your, and, and I've used this, okay, so I've already tested it, would you want your information broadcast all over this waiting room? Okay? And now, now, understand this. This not only goes for medical but it goes for a lot of other institutions, including banking, including, you know, a variety of things, okay, where you don't want your 
bank accounts splattered all over the place, you know, and given to everybody. Now, banks are somewhat sensitive to this because they understand, you know, theft and this type of thing. So uh, they'll, they'll try to get you in a cubby hole somewhere, but it doesn't always happen that way. Um, so that's, that's an important thing to stand your ground. So, so I, think, I think standing your ground is a good idea, and I think it's appropriate. But sometimes it's hard for folks to know exactly how um, they, they, they ought to stand their, their ground. Because I think, I think sometimes there's a tendency, especially given the way some things are operated, for things to kind of take, take, take over the environment. So a nurse comes out and said and says, so you, you be the blind person, okay? Paul? Go ahead. Oh, you be- oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So walk in the office and say whatever okay. you're going to say. Okay. Um, hey, my name's Paul Kurtz, and I'm in here for a medical appointment. Uh, appointment <clears throat> time was 4.50, and we're pretty close. Uh, who's with you? Who's with me? Uh, nobody but me. Well... You can't be coming to a doctor's appointment by yourself. Who's going to do the paperwork? Well, you guys are. That's what I pay you for. Huh. I pay you guys good money, and I have excellent insurance. And that's part of what I pay you for, honestly. So you guys, I would hope, will help me. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we, we'll, we'll bring it right out here, and we'll start doing it in just a minute. Now, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's back up here. I do appreciate that, but I think we need a little more privacy. Uh, you wouldn't want everybody talking about your hemorrhoids or whatever you might have right out in front of everybody, would you? Besides, there's HIPAA laws, and they need to be applied in this case. Does that apply to you people? Well, I'll say this. If it doesn't apply to me, then you might as well throw your entire HIPAA law in the trash. Because I am a people. Wow. I never thought of that. I do think... I, I, no, I understand that, and that's fine. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm one of us. All so right, sir. Well, um, come in, and we'll, we'll, we'll start working on it. So, okay, so we're, we're, we fill out all the forms now. Um, now, by the way, for you guys who are blind, that come in stuff does not always work because oh, you might doesn't. be sitting there with your cane in one Just hand. Just follow me, and sir. Waving your, waving your other hand. Okay, Over here. There. Okay. So what you say right there is, hey, uh, can you give me your elbow? No, I need to keep it. Well, you might need to keep your elbow, but I want to just borrow it for a couple minutes. And oh, I'll all right. give it right back, I promise. Okay. So, Unless I can sell it for a lot of money. Yeah. So we so we get in there and we fill and we fill out all the forms and then we come to the next interesting point in the situation. So, um, are you going to take this home to sign, or or do you want me to sign for you? Uh, you just show me where to sign it and pass me the pen, and I will sign it. Well, um, and I well, do have a well, signature you, you, guide here. That I can line up and sign you, right within that. You can just do an X. Ah, uh, no, I think not. <laughs> I think not. Besides, X is not my you name. You people so are I amazing. It as much. I I didn't I didn't know they could teach you to write. 
well, I'm no good at it, but my name stands the case. You know, think about it. I got to pay you some way, and I'm going to have to sign my credit card receipt for my, um, for my copay. So you think about that. If that stands up in court, then everything else should stand up pretty well, too. That makes sense. So, and yes, I have said that, by the way. I've had to. That, some of this, this stuff, I know it sounds corny, but it, a lot of it comes right out of reality. No, it does. And, and that's why we went through that little exercise, because exactly. Paul's responses and are, are very similar to the ones that I would have operated with. He's, he's, he's a little more abrasive than I would have been. Well, I try, to, I try not to be, but this was a forum where, you know, we got to show a little bit more assertiveness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm easy going, but I'm not going to let somebody sit there and say, well. So let me ask you some questions that are a little bit more on the borderline. You're in a restaurant, and a, a waitress comes up to you and says, hi, honey, what would you like? Is that Okay. Oh, yes, to me it is, of course, absolutely. She can honey me all she wants because I'll get better food, I'll get better attention, absolutely, and we're in the South. All right. No, go ahead, Paul. I know where you're getting to. Here is another instance. So the hot, I I don't care about the high honey either, as a matter of fact. I'm kind of cool with it, but I know loads of people who don't like it, especially when the waitress is a lady and the person who is being honeyed is also female. Yes, yes. That, that. <laughs> but let's take it a little further. You place your order. You've ordered a wonderful steak, and this place has a great reputation, and it's really cool. And your steak comes back, and it's delivered to the table, and your meat's cut. Is that Okay. Oh, I've had it happen. As a matter of fact, I had it happen two days ago. Um, and, and, I, and I've had it happen probably four times this year in different restaurants. Is that okay? Okay. We got, hey, guys, we got a no from up here, so she's going to express her opinion. I say no because, see, what they're doing is they're cookie cutting. They think what's good for one is good for all. And aren't we all individuals? I mean, is it convenient to have your meat cut up? Of course it is. But do we, I mean, we're individuals. And what kind of message is that sending? That they have to cut our meat up? No, in my opinion, not for me. Might work for you. but All right, Ms. Leposky. So the question is, almost, the question is, how do you... Who was, hang on, before we go, who was the yes person? Right here, Irene. Okay. Well, the reason I say yes is, let's say, maybe two days before, somebody came in and asked that waitress, would you cut up my meat? And so, you know, she obliged. So now she may have the idea, well, you know, every, maybe every blind person likes to have their meat cut. And, you know, I, I understand why Pat says no, but I just don't, I don't know, I there are people who do like to have their meat cut up, and I think they should have the same right as Pat not to have it cut up. And if they happen to do it ahead of time, well, I mean, what can you do, you know? Just, well, I understand. Right. So, I mean, so let's just try a quick vote for fun. All those who would like to have their meat cut, uh, and, or let's do it another way, who wouldn't care if their meat was cut, say aye. Aye. 
Uh oh. Okay, we have a wrong question up here. How many would like for the server to assume you want your meat cut up? All right, how many? No. No. Nobody. Oh, well. Come down and hit the mic, Carrie. Come on, come on down. Testing. Uh, Paul's got the moving mic. Okay. Um. Okay. Did he say don't turn this one on? I I I'm I'm confused. Paul, you still have a mic, right? No. Oh, they died. Okay, Sherry, why don't you come down here and use the stand mic? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. Okay, Sherry, go ahead and I'll repeat the comment out to the net. Okay, I'm right here. Okay. Right here, sure. Keep coming. This chair. I got no arm up. Mike. Okay. All right. Here's the thing about if somebody came in, you know, a couple of days before and wanted their meat cut up, okay, well, you know, the server didn't know, well, you're blind, you wanted it cut up, so someone else blind must. All right. Here's my question. If a blonde uh, woman came in two days before and wanted sugar in her um, iced tea, does that mean every blonde person that comes in has to have sugar in her iced tea? Or if a tall guy came in and said he, uh, you know, uh, wanted uh, the server to butter his toast, does that mean every tall guy has to have his toast buttered? We're all individuals. You know, we we all have different thoughts, different ideas, just like, uh, you know, not all blonde women are alike, not all redheads, not all tall, whatever. We're all individuals. But, but I thought sighted people thought all blind people were alike. Apparently. I mean, I can't tell you how many times somebody says to me, oh, you're that Paul Kurtz guy. Get on the microphone. I can't, dear. It's dead. Oh, it's working now. Now, um, I've been mistaken for Paul Edwards, too, so the, yeah, see, the there it goes both there. ways. Well, now, now, it's, it's think, a compliment think about this, to me, guys. really. Think about this, guys. This means that while we are assertive and we stand our ground and we do all these things, we have to understand their point of view too because they may have had some training in their past that teaches them to do things a certain way. Now, does that excuse it? No. But I want to ask Pat, who doesn't want to have her meat cut, what she's going to do about it when it arrives cut. Okay, well, because I always try to be polite and because I understand that sometimes um, the sighted world will develop false pretenses about folks that are visually impaired, just like they do about people that are deaf and people that are in wheelchairs, I try to be understanding of that. And so if my meat did come to me cut up, I would probably say... Oh, my meat. It's already cut up. Um, I appreciate you doing this, but um, is there a reason 
why you did that? I mean, is there a reason why you felt that you needed to do that? I, I sort of look at it as an educational opportunity. Um, well, Joe, who comes in here all the time, I was once his meat cat, so I just thought, I just thought you did this. Oh, and I can certainly understand you thinking that way, but what you need to understand is that everybody's different. And I am the kind of person that really prefers for you not to cut up my meat. Well, I was only trying to help. And, and I do appreciate that, but, but if I wanted you to cut up my meat, I would have asked you to do so. You know, you try to help these blind people, and all they get is they get persnickety and nasty. See if I, well, see if I help this, these damn blind people anymore. Well, Amen. I am really sorry that you feel that way, but um, you just need to know that what you do for one person is not good for everyone. That's all I'm trying to say to you. I'm sorry you're upset, but that's the way it is. Because blind is blind, and if you can't see, you can't see, and if you can't see, you can't do things, and that's that. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way too, but that's simply not true, sir. Are you a sir or madam? I can't tell. Hey, that's... That's what happens when you oh, get you're blind. You can't tell the difference. See? Now that's another thing. You always can't because that's what happens with it's blind people. yeah. <laughs> Somebody could have a deep voice, and I get confused, so I don't know what to call them. So I call I them. I thought nothing. our president knew more than that. I really did. I'm gonna have to reassess. Uh, and what, and what I like even more is when I go into a restaurant and if there's a group of people sitting there that are visually impaired, they say, oh, your group is right here. And I'm like, what group? I'm not with the group. Oh, I thought you were sitting there. Okay, well, yeah. So yeah, you may what do you do in like a case like that? You. you know, so... When that, when that happens, I usually say, yeah, they let me out of rehab today. <laughs> Uh, you, you may, but but. Hold on for just a minute, Deborah. Um, so Deborah is saying that, that while she hasn't had the, the experience of, of meat cutting, she did have an experience a few weeks ago. She was on a long flight, and she ordered some Chardonnay, and... And so you're given a small bottle of wine and a cup of Chardonnay, and you have to drink it The pause that refreshes, please. So,
Yep. Hold on for a minute. Hold on. You're, you're getting way ahead of the internet here. Yep. So Debbie says that, that, that she ordered, um, that she ordered the, the wine and, and it comes with a bottle and a glass. So the flight attendant arrives with the bottle and a glass and before Deb can take it out of it, her hand, there's this sound that goes, and she can hear that the bottle, the screw top bottle of the bottle has been removed. And um, Debbie has a problem with that. She also talked about um, sometimes getting deli sandwiches on planes or, or, or other places, and folks immediately open that deli sandwich. And Deb says that that really makes her uncomfortable because then she can't eat the sandwich because she doesn't know where those hands have been. Um, and, and it's a germ issue. Um, and she also says that um, sometimes by, by kind of making light of it and bringing yourself into the middle, you can make it a learning moment and you can, you can perhaps change some minds. Um, I think there are a lot of minds on airplanes that are not changeable. Um, got it, sorry. Good. Yeah. Point taken. So Debbie says... Bill Bridges. Um, Debbie says that, that by talking about being a germaphobe, you're, draw, you're, you're actually focusing the person's attention not on the blindness that they're concentrating on, but on another aspect of your character. And as a result, they may say, well, I'm sort of germaphobic too, so maybe I wouldn't like it either, so maybe she's right. Uh, they don't usually get you another sandwich, though. Yeah. Oh, they do. Okay. That's, that's because of your good looks, I think. Now, since, since we've brought up airplanes, I've got to tell you guys, I was surprised. It was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was flying on an AirTran flight to Atlanta. Okay? I got in the plane. I sat down. We were sitting for a little extra time, and I was bouncing my cane up and down on my knee. It was folded up. I was the only one in the seat. I wasn't bothering anybody. I was sitting there minding my own business. The stewardess comes up and says, I'll take that and put it so you can get it uh, anytime you want. I said, no, I don't think so. I said, uh, that was adjudicated over 40 years ago, and I don't think so. And she says, you're causing me a problem. And I said, no, I don't think so, but you might really want to think this through before you try to do this. Well, apparently, she went and talked to the pilot or somebody, and I didn't hear another word around it. Now... Between those times, I had tucked my cane behind me on the seat. But um, we, that's another thing to bring up. We do not need to risk our safety in any environment to please somebody just because they think they know better. Yep. Now, you know... We're going to have to start using mics if we're going to do this. Yeah, um, we're going to bring some more stories And, and since up. we're all TBs... We I, are streamed. We're so. streamed and they can't hear us on the internet. We want to make sure everybody can hear us loud and clear from Jacksonville, Florida. So if, if, if you'd like to share, and, and, and we, 
Sir, could you, could you wander up and we'll hand you a mic? If you get to the other side of the head table, we'll I, hand I'll it to you. I'll tell you what, Paul. I will take the mic you have, and you can use the one up here at the desk, and I'll do the running for the, uh, for the mic stuff. That's what I like. That's what I like, a young person. <laughs> somebody, might, somebody might get kicked with my orthopedic shoe here. So, so test so one, two. The man has a story for us. Oh, go ahead. So I'm now at another mic, which is much more lively. Yes. Yes. That's a good one. Otherwise, you'll be gone. Who had the question? You're doing it. I've stopped it. Hang, hang on, Carl. I'm going to pass you a mic. So we're you getting can, to you, Carl. And then we're going to get back to this so other guy's story real after McCoy. we get to your question. Okay, there's, there's you a mic right there. <clears throat> well, I, I was left with a little concern about our what I thought of was a kind of a confrontational approach at the doctor's office. A confrontational approach, sorry, Carl? At the doctor's office. Yeah. Okay. Now, and, you know, I think all of us are kind of responsible for helping to educate right. sighted people. I think it's too much to expect everybody to understand blindness the way we do. So what would be a better way, a more, an educational way, uh, of handling that doctor issue problem, filling out forms? Well, it, it's happened to me lots of times. And, and the, the first thing that I do, obviously, is, 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 as I said, I'm not quite as curt as Kurtz, but... Um, but but I, but I think I try to be assertive in the same way. So what I will often say is, um, hi, I'm here. Uh, I need to fill out paperwork. And whenever you're ready uh, for me to come inside and do that, I'd be glad to do it. Um, and by, by taking the high ground first, um, you kind of avoid the issue because you make the assumption that it's not going to happen. And the other thing is, I'd say, uh, when someone says, okay, um, come in, sir, I, I will usually say, uh, I'm going to walk towards where you are, and then when I get to you, I'm going to take your elbow. So I'm telling them precisely what I am going to do and the actions that I'm going to take, and leaving it essentially in, in, in my hands um, to, to determine what happens. Because I think what we often do as blind people, and I think this is one of the points that that, that we need to recognize in terms of confronting how we interact with sighted people is we let sighted people get away with murder because we essentially are afraid of, of being too aggressive. We're afraid of offending them. We're afraid that we're going to create bad will for other blind people. Now, there are blind people who don't give a damn, and who will, who will be as rude as, as they can possibly be um, to sighted folks, and they don't help us either. But I, but I think what we need to think about are ways that, that we can take control of situations, and what I would suggest as a rule of thumb to respond to Carl is know what you want and tell people what you want and accept nothing less. Yeah, now the, I will tell you the curt response that I gave in this one case that I showed you all as a more extreme example was in a doctor's office that I'd been in multiple times. 
and they'd already had some training, but they weren't necessarily fully responding. Not necessarily the doctor, but some of the staff. And so it was time to take a little bit stronger approach. Uh, no, you don't want you, you know, I mean, keep good relations. And there are days that we can't control it. It, it, it. I don't know if we have time, Pat, but if we do, I'll tell about a three-minute story. Can I, can I say, before you... Irene, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... Can I use your mic? I should stand up. He backed off for you, Irene. Oh, okay, thank you. He's a, he's a uh, I know. I just want to say that um, I, when I make a doctor's appointment, if I need to do paperwork, I say to them at the time making the appointment, I will need some help in your office to, to do my paperwork so they know ahead of time, you know, that I have the work to do and they can make plans, you know, get another person or whatever they need to do so they already know it's not just when you, for, when you go in the door. Okay, we got a story from back here. Okay. I've got, I've got a couple of quick comments. Um, I am... Uh, I am blind, but I also have slight CP. Now, not all all blind people have CP. So when I go into a restaurant and I ask someone to cut my meat, I explain to them that it's not it's not because I'm blind, but it's that um the hand manipulation and. Real quick, I'm going to make this as quick as I can. Talking about the airplane, I've got a story for you guys. I was going to Perkins in the 70s, and I'm going to make this real quick. And I was traveling from Newark to Boston. And in the 70s, we had um, um, the, um, the cane to, that had the hooks at the end. So I had no problem in the stewardess taking my cane and putting it in the closet. Now, when I sat down with the lady to my left and a gentleman to my right, the lady to my left was in the window seat. She said, oh, my God, I am so nervous. Never flew before. I said, ma'am, don't worry about it. I take this flight all of the time. I said, you know, look outside, see the, um, you know, the cars going by. I said, we're going faster. We're taking off. She let out a small scream. I said, man, calm down. Look outside. You could see white puffy clouds. Thank God there were white puffy clouds outside. <laughs> so we're going on and we're going through the flight and we're talking. And she said to me, where do you go to college? And I said, I, you don't go to college. I go to Perkins School for the blind. Well, that's all I had to say. She stood up, screamed, oh called God. the stewardess over, and said, I want to change my seat. This man is telling me not to be afraid, and he's blind. Well, the funniest part to this story... The guy sitting to my right hadn't said a word at this point. He put down his newspaper, looked up and said, Lady, he ain't flying the plane. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that. 
I like that. That's perfect. Is that a joke or that really happened, Rick? Oh. <laughs> that is very cool. Cool response. Okay, real quick. And then I'm going to say So, some days you just get to the place where you can't, you can't cope with the, um, the unwillingness of sighted people to be reasonable. Anybody had those days? Yes. Yeah. I, I want to describe one for you, if I might. I was flying from Trinidad to Jamaica on an airplane. Airplanes seem to be a, a lot of the places where these things happen. And I was um, traveling with my wife and a small baby. My wife did not enjoy flying. Uh, that is putting it mildly. She took... Uh, as as many kind of decongestants and anti-stimulants and sleeping drafts as she could um, and essentially said, here's the kid, wake me when we get there. Mm. It's all good. I was fine with that. I'm a proud parent. It's all fine. We're flying along. My wife's asleep. She's in the window seat. I'm in the next seat. Stewardess comes down the hallway and she reaches across my body and shakes my wife awake and says, What would he like to drink? <laughs> so I, I do all the right things. Hi, miss, you know, I want to tell you that I, I speak English good and I can hear fine, you know, so um, it's okay. Um, if you just talk to me because my wife doesn't like to fly and, you know, uh, I don't want to disturb her, you know? A few minutes later, you can see what's coming, right? Going down, this, going down the aisle, reaches across my body, shakes her awake for a second time. <laughs> would, would he like me to cut his meat? <laughs> Okay, so, so now we have reached the stage in proceedings where it is absolutely certain that there won't be any more children. <laughs> and, of course, you know that five or seven minutes later, the same thing happens again. Down the street, reaches across the body, shakes the person awake. Would you like another drink? So at that point, i got to tell you, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. So I'm sitting there. She's sitting there with a tray of drinks in her hand. And I just sort of looked at her, having tried to be polite and explain everything forever and ever. I just went, I leaned forward, and I went, boo, boo, boo! <laughs> so she jumps back, goes across the aisle, spills drinks on about seven passengers, and I said, great. Oh, yes. That really happened? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Mike. Yes. It was okay, though. Hello, everyone. I I felt so good. Good Lord. Who does it? Anyway, this is Doug Hansard from Jacksonville. Um, 
I have a I've had a scenario where uh, when I moved to where I currently live now, I'm getting O&M training, you know, t- kind of orientating myself to my new surroundings, my new environment. So my neighbors, they're looking at me, and there's this certain street that's right in front of our building that people just don't dare to cross. For whatever reason, they're fearful of it. And so this guy looks at me, and he sees me. He sees me rolling out there with my cane, and I'm going, I'm going and going and going. And he says, what are you doing? I says, what are Look like I'm, I'm, I'm walking down. I'm walking out of the parking lot. You're going to cross that street? Yeah, watch me. And he, he, he's standing there. And then he sees me coming back from across the street. I went over to the Winn-Dixie across the street from where I live at. And he says, you're crazy. And I said, tell me something that I don't know. I'm already ahead of you. I'm there. And then... There was another incident. This same guy, he, he sees. Now, I had a TV delivered to my home. And so he says, wait a minute. You're blind. What do you need to, a TV for? I said, I'm watching it with my ears. Like that there. And I, I'm saying all that to say this. I, I think it's been brought out before that the perception of most of the sighted world thinks that we as blind people because we have no sight are just about like minus zero in the intelligence range now as far as the crossing the street thing goes i think it has a lot to do with their fear that when because if they tried doing it because i had even one of one of my uh, neighbors said to me that hey Doug, I couldn't do what you are doing right now because you're walking around this hallway and then throughout this building and you're not doing it with your cane. I get so many people asking, where's your cane? I says, right here. I'm using it. And I said all that to say this. The perception that they get is because 90% of everyone's life is predicated on those two things between their, you know, beside their nose, their eyes. And if you take that away from them, they are literally completely lost and confounded. And so their, their perception is that if you lose your eyes, wow, that means your whole world is gone. But all and, I can and tell I you think, is the best is yet that, to come. I'm sorry. I was going to say I think a lot of that is because the sight of people just can't imagine – what it would be like without vision, you know, to them. And they just feel like they're done. That's it. You're done. How can you live without vision? Don't you think? I I just, I feel that that's how they feel most times. I've had people tell me, I don't know how you do what you do. You know, how do you have the responsibility to educate them? They just can't imagine what it's like. Hold on, Pat. Go ahead, Carl. I I just think that's why we have the, uh, the, we need to assume the role uh, we've got to educate them. We've got to help them to understand Absolutely. and not to feel that way. So, yeah, that's true, and everybody knows that. But, uh, you know, what do we do to help change that attitude, at least particularly towards ourselves? So Carl says what, that's, that's what Pat said leads him to precisely the point that, that he's reiterating, that that means that we have a responsibility to educate. Absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, you know, I, 
Go ahead. I, I tell you, I, I know I sounded like the hard nose, and I'm not just copping out and backing up because Carl said something, although I like him. But here, here's the point. These guys are human beings, too, like we are, okay? And even though sometimes we have to take some hard stands on certain things, um, if we treat them like human beings and treat them like friends, we may have friends for life. Um, you know, I've, I have a lot of friends, and it's not because of the confrontational times that I've had to have in a few cases. It's because of 999,000 educational opportunities I've taken to help people. And let me just bring up something, too, while I'm on it. Kids, you know, parents, I've, I walked down a sidewalk one time, and I've always remembered this because the parent says, watch out, watch out, get out of the way, and just hollers at this kid. Well, the kid is mumbling at the parents, so I start, and it's a black kid, and um, I start kind of smiling because that kid is mad at his mama. And that kid says, shut up, you honky. Now, um, here's the thing. I stopped and talked that kid a little bit, you know, because, see, that kid's mother had transmitted fear to that kid. And there needed to be a little re-education right there, right then, so that that kid would not respond the same way the next time, and so his parent wouldn't either. And and that way you can re-educate both at the same time. Whoops, Paul, one more minute, and then I'm going to take one minute, and then Pat's going to close. Oh, I've said enough. Okay. So my my one minute is... I think the most important thing that we as blind people can do uh, when we meet a sighted person is feel sorry for them. Uh, and, and I actually believe that because ultimately it, it is their loss if they don't understand the richness that blind people are. What we have to do is to recognize that we have character that can stand up to anyone and, and we have capacities that ought to and often do make sighted people amazed. And I'm fine with people being amazed with all the crap I can do. I am absolutely fine with that because it's what we should expect because we're pretty amazing folks. But the bottom line is, unless we make sighted people understand that that's who we are, they'll never know it. Miss Pat. And I concur with Paul. That's exactly what we need to do. And the other thing that I feel is that we are people first. Always remember that. We're not blind people. I mean, we, we are blind. We have a visual impairment. But we are people first. And that is what I try to do with the general public is to um, be friendly and outgoing and talk to them because they need to know that I am a person. Yes, I use a service animal. Yes, I have a visual impairment. No, I can't read the menu. But you know what? I'm a person. I'm a person just like they are, except I have a disability. And that's, that's secondary. It should be secondary. We're people first. And that's the way I feel about it. So anyway, 
This has been awesome, guys. I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys did too. What we'd like to do is extend this. Um, we CCTB does have quarterly conference calls, and um, what I would like to do is um, extend this to our calls whenever we're done with our business that we need to deal with. Take some time for anyone who might want to share an experience or whatever they want to share with us and just talk about this stuff because I think it's important. I really do. And I think it's all, I think it's good for us to share. I think it makes us all feel better. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think so. So, absolutely, Carl. Go ahead. You agree? Go ahead, Mr. Carl. You're going to have to repeat what he said, Paul, for the internet. She said that I'd, I'd never dealt with a blind person before. And so today she's met with a whole lot of them, of course, more than most people will ever. But anyway, my point is we had the chance, and I'm sure we all did, educate an awful lot of people who were here yesterday and today as, as volunteers. And that, I think, is the thing that we ought to be as, see as an opportunity and be proud of that opportunity and take advantage of it absolutely do you, you want, want me to say repeat no i was going to repeat what carl said just okay so. well okay so go ahead and repeat uh, yes i just want to repeat that carl t was talking about a volunteer that he had walked with today and how um uh, basically how she had learned so much she said that she had learned so much from him even though um that Carl had helped him, uh, helped her as much as she she had helped him, and Carl just wanted us to um, to realize that we that's you know part of what we can do is educate people, and that's you know was one of the most important things that we can do as as blind people. Is that correct, Carl? Did I get it pretty much? Okay. Yeah. And that's that's very oh, good. And can we say that the next meeting is August what? 11th is that yes. yeah yeah i was going to announce that but that's fine okay all right so at this point um we're going to do another door prize because we're getting to the end and so i'm going to turn the mic over to miss sherry Testing. Okay. Um, now, is there another sighted person in here that wants to read these tickets? Because she bought some tickets, and I don't know if you, if it bothers you if she reads her own name come out. <laughs> okay. All right. I have um, a um, gift card from Home Depot, $25. Paul Kirk, 
Congratulations, um, Paul. I think that was from Office Depot. Is that not right? Office Depot. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> let's just go ahead and do the others while we're here. Okay. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to, um, this is the, the FCB um, gift card. And it, I have a question. And Shalini, you help me, um, whoever answers this first. Okay, Paul was talking about what do you do when you uh, meet a sighted person. And he said when he's standing at the corner with a coffee cup, what is it they put in the coffee cup? Who, who did it first? Oh, the blue. And the winner is? Uh, who, who won that? Mary. Mary. Yay, Mary. Congratulations. All right. Before we move on, uh, Mikey Wiseman wants to make an announcement. Go ahead. Hi, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do I have anybody in here by the last name of Shaw? Janice or Janice Shaw? Jan- maybe Janae Shaw? Is it a Shaw? No. Any Shaw in here? <laughs> okay, thank you. No Shaw. You want to make an announcement now? All right, and we have one more announcement, and then we'll move on. Oops. Excuse me, Miss Irene. Um, we're, we're dancing up here. It's really fun to watch. So I, I want to make an announcement that's reiterating one, that, and folks who are involved probably have already heard it, but I think it really is important... Uh, the BRLF breakfast was actually in huge danger of being disappeared because we were all in the restaurant yesterday morning and realized that it was going to be far too noisy to conduct any semblance of a meeting. And it had been my plan, and I guess I'm the primary presenter tomorrow, and it had been my plan to essentially say to folks, well, we'll do a conference call in a few days, enjoy your breakfast. Um, in fact, we don't have to do that, and, and we really need to thank Mikey Wiseman for his efforts. Uh, the BRL breakfast is going to take place in the anchor room, the anchor room, and, and I want to be sure that I make clear that I checked my envelope, and I do have a BRLF ticket. So if you guys got envelopes and you registered for BRLF, you have a ticket, and you need to bring it with you. That's not correct. I have a ticket in my envelope. Right. So what I would li- what I'd like you to do is to is to go and perhaps try to contact Sally because certainly it's my understanding, and I believe others understand under others understanding that there are BRLF tickets. Okay. So, Pat. Okay. So, uh, just on that note, um, I know Sharon Youngs was at the registration desk when I was there, and she gave me my BRLF card. So, Irene, you might want to find Sharon, because um, she was the one that handed out the cards. Okay. So, we have two more uh, door prizes, guys, and then we'll do the 50-50. So, Sherry, let's move on to the uh, next to the last door prize. Okay. The next one will be for a Bluetooth headphone. Is it headphones? 
Patricia? It's a wireless, it's a Bluetooth um, speaker. Okay. Bluetooth speaker. Wireless speakers. Okay. Here you go. The name is? It's Selena. Me. <laughs> so she, she got it after all. She did buy 12 tickets, so. <laughs> okay, and then we have $25. Um, okay. Again, $10. Uh, $20, I'm sorry. $20 cash. And now, the, the, the 50-50, you want me to announce it? We, we, we brought in $74, so that the half of that is $35. Uh, I'm sorry. By the way, since I got two gifts, you know, I can donate this $20 since I'm the treasurer and in charge of the money, so that's good. Oh, well, thank you very much, Paul. Okay. We got $74, so half of that will be 37 goes to... Paul Edwards? Yes. Oh, hi, Paul. Congratulations, Mr. Edwards. Very, hey, it was good. It was most right. of the people that bought the tickets was on the board in, in the, <laughs> the offices. Okay. So. Okay. Oh, thank, thank you. you very much, Paul. CCTB appreciates that. You know... Um, our goal is to provide a scholarship to one of the students at the School for the Deaf and Blind in St. Augustine. Hopefully, we can get that done next year because I really would like to do that. So that's where the majority of our money is going. So thank you all for coming. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Our next meeting, quarterly conference call meeting, will be August 11, which is a Thursday night, second Thursday. And I will be sending out an email um, accordingly. So thank you again, and I hope you all have a wonderful evening, what's left of it, and enjoy the banquet. <laughs>